Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Tell me about the Lost Pillars of Enoch. And first of all, explain who Enoch was before we get into the Lost Pillars. Yes, Enoch, I'm sure everybody's heard the name, um, is one of the uh, original uh, progeny of Seth. Seth is Adam's third son, who was born as a new beginning after Cain slugged Abel. And uh, he's the great-grandfather, Enoch is the great-grandfather of Noah, who I'm sure everybody's heard about. And uh, he's, uh, his name means uh, dedicated or possibly initiated. And uh, his name has become associated with primal wisdom, the first knowledge of mankind in, in the mythology, which we find in the book of Genesis, but also in another book, which was found in many copies among the Dead Sea Scrolls, called the Book of Enoch, which is a very apocalyptic book full of mysteries, and Enoch is the superstar of that. And uh, it says in the Bible that, um, very cryptic statement, it said, and he was not, for God took him, which is taken to mean that he didn't die in the ordinary sense, but was translated to the heavenly realms uh, because he walked with God, as the phrase goes. So he's, he's associated with as it were, the perfect man, somebody who's truly fit for, for heaven, and thus becomes an intermediary between a higher world and our world. And uh, he has a, a great deal of uh, fascinating mythology to go with him. Did he, did he possess any magical or mystical powers or anything like that? Enoch's reputation, um, the, the Enoch from the Sethian line from Seth, uh, is always is is pretty well squeaky clean, and uh, the knowledge which is associated with him is primarily what we would call uh, scientific knowledge, astronomical knowledge. Uh, but the ways that the universe works is associated with Enoch, so he understands the inner workings of the universe. Which, of course, this kind of knowledge can be dangerous, as it were, in the wrong hands, and you get a a hint of that. In the, in the story of the Watchers and the Nephilim, which you get a fragment of in the book of Genesis, where you have apparently angels uh, coming to earth and impregnating human women and teaching mankind the dark arts of uh, magic, necromancy, and uh, sciences that can be perverted. So you have this double idea of knowledge. There's a good knowledge, which is associated with Enoch, and then there's the perversion of it, which is associated with uh, people who stray from the good path, which uh, Enoch is an exemplar of. Now, the Enoch's pillars, uh, tell us about these pillars, and then we'll get into the last portion of it. What are the pillars? Yeah, the, uh, this is a fascinating story. I, I say it's the first archaeological story, and it's told by the Jewish historian Josephus, who was writing in Rome um, about 40 years just over 40 years after the crucifixion. And he was writing about the antiquity of the Jews, a book that was aimed at a Roman and Greek-speaking audience. And he says in, in the story, which is mainly taken from the books of Genesis and the historical books of, of the Jewish scriptures, but he, he tells a story which you don't find in Genesis, that this line of Seth uh, heard from Adam a prophecy that God intended to destroy the world by either fire or water. And it says that the 
progeny of Seth put all their knowledge uh, on two pillars, all the knowledge that they wanted to survive as a monument to what they'd achieved if, if the whole world was destroyed. And one of the pillars was designed uh, to survive fire, and the other one was designed to survive water. And, of course, we know the story of the flood, and we must presume that the flood destroyed the one, uh, one of the pillars, at least. And Josephus says something very interesting. He says that one of the pillars can still be seen to this day. Now, we're talking about 80 AD in the first century yeah. of the Christian era. One could still be seen. And he says, it, and <laughs> that's, where the, that's my first mystery I investigate. What is the pillar? Where was it? And, and why did he think it could still be seen? How tall is it, and what's the significant in significance of the pillars? Well, you have in this story, this, this myth of the pillars of the Sethian uh, generation, the idea that there was once a perfect knowledge that predates the flood and that man has lost contact with. Sure. So you have... It's like there is you like you have BC and AD. You really have pre-flood, which you call antediluvian, and the post-flood world, and the pillars. The image of the pillars is is a link between uh, our knowledge, which is fragmentary, and a supposed uh, legendary pure knowledge, which was both divine and, as we would say, material or scientific. You also make a distinction between religion and Gnosticism. Uh, there seems to be a big difference with you. Yes, I, I take the, when when I hear the word religion, uh, I tend to think it means really an enclosing or an ordering of doctrines. Um, it can also mean a, a devoted life, but I associate religion with something that's organized, uh, held from above, where the relationship of the individual to the mystery of God, is through a cult. I, did, I didn't say occult, a cult, a cult, uh, which is controlled by priests or, or ministers or somebody. Uh, but the relationship with God is, is involved with a collective body, with a set of doctrines which believers are supposed to accept in toto. And there's a conformity of inherited tradition. Whereas, when we talk about uh, gnosis, which is just Greek for knowledge, or mysticism, the sighting of the relationship with God is entirely within the soul of the individual. And for that reason, one may think it has more authenticity and more conviction. And if the individual is seeking God, it's going to be more likely resolved through mystical or Gnostic experience than going to church and singing hymns and doing the communal uh, observances. So that's the distinction. And I think you have a period in the first, second, third centuries of, of the Christian era when there was a kind of letting out of this individualism, if you like, um, which starts actually quite a few centuries before the Christian era, but around about the sixth century, where the individual appears in history as a thinking, sentient being with his own thoughts, her own thoughts and experiences, which and, and own griefs and so forth. So there's, again, we're talking about a sighting of the relationship with the divine in, within the soul of the person. Whereas religion has a habit of taking all that over, 
and saying, yes, 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 of course you have your relationship with God, but you can't have it without us. And you must do this and believe that. And at the end of the first centuries of the Christian era, when the Roman Empire uh, fell, the Catholic Church, the Roman Church, took over the, you can say, the religious role. And when that happened, the religion started to control what people could believe about the universe. And this is where the theme of the book starts to come in, is, is that science uh, was uh, abhorred by church leaders because it upset religious conformity. For example, the idea that the earth might move was something they couldn't accept because they'd made it a religious principle, not a scientific principle, meaning that it could be proved otherwise. You cannot prove a religious principle otherwise. It cannot be changed because the church claims to hold all truth for all time. And so a scientist became a suspect. And I tell the story of Copernicus and Giordano Bruno and, and other thinkers of, of the late medieval and Renaissance periods and how they suffered at the hands of what we could call religion. Tobias of course, America, America is founded on the principle that uh, one group of religious uh, spiritual believers couldn't stand working within a religious context in, right. in England and set sail for America. And to create their own. Yeah, they create their own. But of course, what happens is, <laughs> so often with these things, is the rebel uh, with his mysticism within a couple of generations has simply become the new religion. Because the followers, as you'll find if you study these things in history, are never up to the insight of the beginner of these movements. And so you in, end up producing a new, basically a new religion with a different kind of uh, structure, but still a structure, and you start to get, again, persecution of people because they don't fit in. And the Gnostic principle has always been, if I would say, a kind of harbor for people who, who are suffering under... Uh, religious or any kind of ideological oppression of conformity. I, I, in that sense, this is why I think the, the Gnostic tradition, just for society and, and for human well-being, is so terribly important. These pillars, did they have any significance in terms of anything magical, or were they just symbols? No, they, I, they, they acquire incredible meaning, and the book really is telling the story story of this this story that josephus tells as he drops into the beginning of his antiquities the jews in fact uh gathers moss as it rolls through history and becomes one of the great motivating forces in in human uh, uh spiritual and material development it becomes the great myth uh, that we must recover something that's been lost and in that process the pillars came to also symbolize mystical experience the truth of ourselves, the mysteries of the soul, the destiny of the spirit, uh, the relationship between man and God, the, the hidden aspects of spiritual relationship with the material, natural cosmos, all that, so what we can call occult, meaning hidden knowledge, uh, they also become part of the pillar story. So it's a uni the, uh, the idea is there was once a unified knowledge, a unified experience of man and God, which has been shattered after the flood, and we only get fragments of it. And the pillars then stand, as it were, uh, as an image 
for when the knowledge was not shattered and our, and the, and our consciousness was complete. And it becomes a kind of clarion call, therefore, that people are looking for lost knowledge, which all science is doing. I mean, today, science, science is a path. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's best lit through a spirit of truth and truth-seeking. And if you keep seeking, you find things. And we keep finding more and more. So as Isaac Newton says in the 1600s, late 1600s, all science is rediscovery, not uh, an original discovery. He, he strongly believed that everything he was famous for, his gravity theory, optics, was all rediscovering what the ancients knew already. He uses those very words, what the ancients knew already. And he felt, while he'd put it in a form for his time, this knowledge already existed about uh, the sun being the center of the universe with the earth moving around it and so forth. And this universal system that he described, he thought it was just a rediscovery of what Enoch knew. So Enoch becomes the symbol of the man who knew and always knows. You bring in Freemasonry in this work. Tell me why. Well, it, it's a fascinating thing. The, 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 the legend of the pillars appears <clears throat> within the very earliest known Masonic documents. Really? Which are, okay. Yeah, it's there. Now, the, fir- the earliest is around about 1350, that sort of time, between 1350, 1450, you have a series of documents called the Old Charges, which were not uh, Bibles. We don't know exactly why they were produced. They were probably produced as justifications when the, uh, when Masons were being told they couldn't meet by order of the state, and they had to justify why they existed and what was special about them. I'm talking about stonemasons. The word Freemason originally meant a person who works in freestone, like um, sandstone, which is easy to carve. And that's the origin of the word Freemason. And in, their first doc- in the first documents of these fraternities of, of, of Masons, they tell the story that after the flood, Hermes the philosopher, Hermes the philosopher discovers a pillar, and he passes the knowledge of that pillar on to Euclid, the geometer, which is the fundamental building principles of, of geometry, earth measurement. And so the mason is in touch with this pre-flood knowledge, and it, it's, it's a spiritual ideal as well as a practical knowledge. And that is in all the early documents of the masons, and only starts to disappear rather suspiciously about the time of the founding of the Grand Lodge of England, uh, which is formed in London starting in, in 1716 and uh, with, with meetings of, uh, at various lodges in London, and which was something of a takeover of a much older tradition, which I describe in the book. And in the older tradition, uh, it appears that the figure of Enoch and these pillars were much more central to Freemasonry than people would say the, the Yarkin and Boaz pillars of the, of the Temple of Jerusalem, which had become the main symbol of Freemasonry, which comes from Isaac Newton, because Isaac Newton believes that the Jerusalem Temple was an image of the universe. And so he, Newtonian ideas very much informed the, the, the Grand Lodge of England, uh, which was a, a nationally organized Freemasonry for non-Masons. For, uh, it was not for the builders. It separated itself from the architects and the builders and becomes a kind of uh, ideal society. Is there anything supernatural that has occurred because of all of this? 
depends, it depends entirely what you mean by supernatural. I, I would say, uh, in my own view, I, I, I'd say that supernature is simply nature that you don't understand yet. Um, so I'd say people who have a spiritual awareness or, or a growing consciousness, which leads them to new knowledge and new experience, uh, this, is, this is, if you like, it's supernatural. It, might, it certainly may feel unusual to the individual. Um, uh, and uh, beyond that, you know, it, uh, it depends on your belief system. You can either say, I had a great idea, or you could say, an angel spoke to me. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.